Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Why do we have insights when our mind is quiet? How do insights play a role in our ability to learn, and when do they impact the trajectory of our lives? Welcome to Insight Out, where we explore these questions and dissect how insights influence who we are and ultimately who we become. I interview New York Times bestselling authors and some of the most influential minds of our time to find out what insights have helped to make them who they are. When I realized that the world worked in many different ways, I'm gonna choose to create a life that is specifically designed for me. I see infinite capacity to think and create. That's the magic that we all have. You can tap into that any point in your life. You just have to decide to do it. And as a leader, you have to be a transition figure. As Dr. Covey said, be a light, not a judge. Be a model, not a critic. If you're like me, constantly working to design a life that will allow you to reach your fullest potential so that you can leave your mark on this planet, then you're in the right place. I'm glad to have you on this journey and hope you enjoy this episode of Inside Out. You know, I find Vinod such a fascinating character, Billy, for so many reasons. But I'll say the biggest one is he's one of the few people I've ever seen on a video or on a podcast who is just a complete 100% straight shooter. Zero BS, zero filter. He even goes as far as to say, that there's some CEOs in the Fortune 500 landscape that he doesn't agree with, that he doesn't like, and that he thinks don't work hard. It's very fascinating how truthful he is. And it doesn't mean he's necessarily right every time or everything he says is necessarily right. But the key is that he explains his ideas as truthfully as he sees them. And that's why I find Vinod to be one of the interesting people in the people I've researched in my life, but also the most thoughtful. So let's talk about this radical honesty, this directness that he has. Where does that come from? Why is it something that's so key in the way in which he is hardwired this way? Did he develop that over time? And why is that so important to his philosophy and his way of life? Yeah, there's actually a story behind this. Vinod tells it in a Stanford interview. It's a show called View from the Top that he appeared on many years ago. And the story was, he was advising a company, a startup, with a, a group of other venture capitalists. And venture capitalists are people who invest in technology companies. Think about the people who invested in Apple or NVIDIA or any of these big tech companies. These are VCs, not financial institutions or banks who would take on that much risk. So it's risk capital. And what he was talking about in that story was how he knew years before that that startup was not going to be successful, but he chose not to say anything because it just wasn't working. Like it was sort of working, but not. it wasn't clear that they were going to be successful. And every other venture capitalist on the board didn't say a word and just kept the facade going, even if it was their capital, and essentially wasted the founder's time and their team's time. And, and they had to close shop a few years later. And what he learned from that experience, and he says this quote word by word, he says, look, 
just because I say something is not necessarily truth, but I vowed from that day that I was going to tra- share what I believe is the truth and they'll interpret it the way they should have. And after he told them what he actually thought about the company, that founder called him back when he started his next company. He's like, I need you on my board of directors because I need someone to actually tell me the truth. And what he says, and he also gave a preface that, look, not everyone can be like this, but he also added that the greatest gift that you can buy yourself behind any money, behind any house, any beautiful thing that you want in life is the gift of radical honesty. If you have so much money where you report to nobody and you don't care what happens because you're still going to be fine successfully and financially, that is the greatest gift that you can give yourself is the gift of just saying whatever you want, whenever you want. And and he, he encourages all of us to pursue that over anything else. So as I think about this, I think all too often we fall in this trap of wanting to have tact and wanting to please people and wanting to avoid ruffling feathers. So how does that play into the mix? If he practices radical honesty, which is a great term, and I love that, and I want to play the counter, which is we are conditioned, we are taught, we are frankly, trained to avoid conflict. And Chris Doe talks about this. We, he had a clubhouse room where he talked about how most people are actually lying. They're lying not because they intend to lie, but because they don't want to hurt other people's feelings. So how does that play into the mix as you think about the way in which he shows up? And obviously, he's not following the rule that most of us do follow, which is say what people want to hear, not what they need to hear. I think that's a beautiful reflection, Billy. And the way that I see it is really the context of where he's speaking from. That's probably a good way of answering this. And in the context of what Vinod is talking about is really how do you build something interesting? How do you do something meaningful with your life? And what he argues in his talk is that the innovation often lies on the edges. So anything new, anything exciting usually lands on the fringes of an idea rather than the center. So I'll give you an example. When Steve Jobs released the iPhone and first announced it in 2008, that was at the fringe of innovation because everyone else told him he was crazy. Same thing when the first Tesla car came out. Oh, yeah, good luck, Elon. Like no one has had a successful car company in decades, almost a century, and you're going to be that person? Good luck. And of course, all these people that we mentioned were successful. But the key is because of how dangerous and risky it is to innovate at the fringes where all the magic happens because of the risk involved, you default into a mode where you have to be radically honest. Mm -hmm. Because if you're not radically honest, your chances are already low as they are. Mm -hmm. So if you're not radically honest on top of that, you're finished. Like there's no way that you can reinvent the future There's no way that you can create ideas that actually stick. In the traditional sense, Ray Dalio has a similar concept that he calls idea transparency, where in his organization, his hedge fund, Bridgewater Associates, they had a system within the company where it was an idea meritocracy, where everyone was allowed to giving feedback to each other in the most brutal way, including Mm. Ray. That's actually how they outperform most hedge funds, actually all hedge funds in the world at the time anyways. So I think the key here is really the context. So for most of us, changing the truth, shifting it, somewhat we're incentivized to that because it benefits us. If we're an employee at an organization, we want to get promoted. Doing, playing the politics definitely helps. But if your goal is aligned with what Vinod is really talking about in his talk in the context of how he speaks, 
which is to invent in the fringes. Radical honesty is not just a gift, it's medicine. If you want any chance at all of being innovative or doing something meaningful. Vinod, he does something that my old boss, Elon, does really well, which you, you just said it. You use the word brutal honesty. And I can tell you one thing about Elon is he doesn't hold any punches. He is going to be brutally honest about how he feels. He's not thinking <laughs> about hurting somebody's feelings or avoiding hurting somebody's feelings because the greater good is getting the outcome that he wants for whatever it is that he's having the conversation about, whether that be, we need to get more deliveries out during this quarter so we can meet our numbers, so we could be profitable, so we could do this, so we could blah, 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 blah. So this theory, this idea, it is not unique to him, but there are some other ideas that you think are really valuable to share. So I think we've got this one covered. Let's move to the next one. What's the next concept that's really important as we think about why did we want to choose this title where we're reinventing the future? What about those words made you think this is the way we should describe this episode? I think the second idea, which ties into your question, Billy, is around the most surprising thing that I got from his talk, that it was a great reinforcer of something I didn't really know, but I constantly remind myself. And what he says is that you don't need everyone to be innovative to move the world forward. Mm. You don't need everybody to work on a great idea. You don't need everybody to risk the farm, to risk the fringes, to innovate. You just need a small group of people that do it for the rest of us. And in my opinion, even if that is a bit, self, oh yeah, we don't need everybody, screw it. <laughs> but I think the way I interpret it, it's very encouraging because you can focus on the people, on the small group of people and triple down on those individuals who are ready to make a difference, who are eager, who are excited, rather than trying to get everyone on this train, everyone on this boat ride, everyone on this rocket ship to the next stage. Because let's face it, most people are just not interested in that. And that's what I liked about what Vinod said. And, and the way he describes it in his own words is, and I'll quote him now, I believe every decade there's 10,000 people who will actually change the world. And if we empower those people in the right way, society will move forward regardless, like the Wright brothers did, mm. like Alexander Graham Bell, like Thomas Edison, like Albert Einstein, or really, I, I mean, there's a bunch of other people like Sarah Blakely from Spanx, whatever. If you're focused on that small group of individuals, and you're just tripling down on those people, you don't need the rest of the world to move the world, world forward. Just focus on your energy on those people. The theory behind this is given a certain period of time, there's probably only 10,000 people who are actually going to do something so significant that the world will be altered as a result of them being here. Correct me if I'm wrong in understanding this premise, A. B, if that's the case, does he give you any advice, suggestions, or ideas in how you identify these people? Not necessarily, unfortunately, but the way that I interpreted that information is by saying, okay, let's focus our time on the people who actually make a dent. But the way he does it financially, because he has his own VC fund reinvests in his own tech companies, is he's putting his money where his mouth is on the people he personally believes in. In terms of how he vets those people, I would say for me, based on the knowledge I have from other individuals, it's mostly from introductions, people who already have traction, 
people already seeing results. And more importantly, this is probably the one, the lining thread here, is individuals who have a unique point of view or belief system on how the world should be. He actually says in his, in his talks, so let me build on this because I think it answers your question as well. The way he phrases this is he goes, do you think Jeff Bezos would care about what anyone in his audience thinks? Mm. Or what Elon Musk would care what this audience thinks about how he's moving about his business? Or Mark Zuckerberg? Or Steve Jobs? And the reason he names these individuals is not just because they've achieved incredible things in their life, but because they had a belief system and they had a courage to pursue that belief system. And then I'll add the controversial piece. That's why I like Vinod. And he also looked at the Stanford crowd, literally, in that interview. And he said, you know what? My goal here and me being here and investing 60 minutes of my precious time, I'm quoting him, not me. Okay, don't hate on me. And he said, the reason I'm investing 60 minutes, I know most of you won't do this. <laughs> he literally said, I know most of you will just go work at McKinsey and Goldman Sachs and you won't go and change the world. That's okay. But if I can convince one of you to just follow your belief system and pursue it and start something and build something, I'll have considered my time well invested. And he started his interview that way. And I said, wow, who is this guy? And But anyways, the point I want to drive here is the one thing that he does vet for that we can gather indirectly from what he's saying is people have a unique belief system on what it is they're pursuing and have a relentless courage and passion to get there. There's a great quote by Peter Thiel that actually summarized Vinod's thoughts well. He says, genius is in short supply, but courage is in even shorter supply. Let's unpack this a little bit and then we'll move into the next insight. So Vinod is clearly of the mind that there are a few people who will be able to do extraordinary things, so extraordinary that the world will, again, it'll be, it'll be different because of these people. And when you think about, you know, how he shows up, you watch this talk, this talk had an impact on you. And one of the things he said in this talk is if one of you, the reality is most of you aren't going to do this, but if one of you that I'm speaking to right now does have the courage to do, to be different, to step out of that comfort zone and do something extraordinary, then it'll make my time worth it. So now as we think about this particular instance where you, you saw him speak, you watched the video, what else stood out in that session? Cause clearly this was a very impactful point. And I think it sounds to me like that struck a chord with you personally, like almost like he's speaking to you and there's some psychology there. The psychology is when you tell somebody that they're most likely not going to be that person, you're telling them almost like people want what they can't have. And people also don't want to be told they can't do something. And so it kind of like puts a little bit of a gas in the tank to get you to do something. Do you think he's thinking about the psychological perspective of the way he posed that? Fascinating thought. My guess is probably yes. And I thought this would be interesting because this is also half personal about our lives too. And we talk about on the lives. The way I internalize this, because I watched this a long time ago, it's probably three or four years ago. But when MasterTalk started and it, the vision for it, the YouTube channel in particular, started growing, when I heard Vinod's talk, I realized that I wanted to be the operating system of those 10,000 people. So going back to what Vinod said, everyone, 10,000 people every decade change the world. If all 10,000 of those people were exceptional communicators, imagine how fast the human race would progress. That was my click. And I got that click from Vinod's 
mm-hmm. talk actually, where I don't need to make this thing for everyone. I just need to make it for this small group of people. And I don't know who they are. I don't know how to vet them. And I don't think Vinod does either, or even the smartest people in the mm-hmm. world do, or else we would have a much more diverse group of founders that we're investing capital into, right? Because skin color has no indicator of a, one's ability to do really well or start their own company, yet they're still disproportionate. So even the smartest people in the world can't pick. But I think the key takeaway for me is make Mastertalk, the YouTube show, so big that it attracts those 10,000 people regardless mm. of who they are. That's the way I interpret it back to my life. This is flipping it around. Instead of you finding them, create the attraction so they could find you. Correct. And also, I'll, and I'm always happy to say it on record, I also believe I'm one of those 10,000 people. When he was talking, like to your point, the psychology, yeah. I really felt like he was talking to me as if I was one of those 10,000 people. So that's another thing that got me psychologically. Yeah, connected with you personally, and you felt this strong inner belief that you are one of those 10,000. And because you have this belief, it's only reinforced by talking about it now, thinking about it. And it actually does this amazing thing. When you think about this, this is a fascinating thought is that, okay, he probably either consciously or subconsciously used a psychological approach to create and inspire you to believe you can or are one of those 10,000. And now through you teaching this and through you talking about it and through you believing in it, it only further helps to create momentum on your path to be one of those 10,000. So love that. Did we leave anything off the table on that? And if so, what did we leave off the table? If not, let's go to the next insight because I know you have a couple more up your sleeve. So what Vinod essentially argues in his talk outside of the points that we mentioned is that most people don't have the guts to follow their own belief. For example, I went to Stanford because people told me Stanford was a good school. I went to this job because everyone else told me that this is the best job to get. I got married and had kids because everyone else told me to do that. Whereas what Vinod argues is that the people who actually make a difference in the world craft a unique belief system that is entirely optimized for exactly what they want to do, and they pursue it. One funny example of how Vinod does this in his own life is he only does 15-minute meetings, ever. Mm-hmm. He never does more than 15 minutes. But his time is only blocked in 15 minutes. So that's what he made the joke about, why am I wasting four of those blocks here, like at Stanford, (laughs) when I could be doing something else? He literally said that word for it. I'm not even cartooning this guy. That's how eccentric Vinod Kasla is. It really reminded us. And the other piece as well on belief system is he's someone who practices, he teaches what he preaches. And I'll give you a crazy story that he told in, in that talk that always stuck with me. Sun Microsystems, of course, a super huge success. Scott McNeely and himself built a huge company, and that's how he made his money. But there was a story about when Sun Microsystems was about to go bankrupt. So essentially what happened is one of their biggest accounts signed with the competitor. So what Vinod did, he flew out all the way to that client's office, okay, the person who signed to the competitors. He sat there in the lobby. All day, all day, until the CEO came out to see mm. him, mostly to get him to leave. 
And Vinod convinced him in the hallway to rethink the negotiation. And then the guy said, I'll send you a contract. He said, no, let's deal with this right now. They re-met at a different location in the morning. They signed the papers and all was good. It's a relentless pursuit of his belief system. And that's what he did. And there's countless examples of that as well, where he got his visa to come to the US. Actually, how he got admitted to Stanford is also super interesting. He actually got rejected multiple times. And then what he did was he went to the admissions office and then he, he schmoozed the career admission person there. And then after talking to the admission person, he realized one person actually dropped out last minute from Stanford. And that's how he got admitted. Pretty nuts. And the story there is, and the lesson he gave is, it doesn't matter if people say no. If you don't try, it's going to be mm. no. But let's give it a shot. Let's see what happens. So he's not just someone who tells you to follow your own belief system. Billy, you should follow your gut. You should follow what you believe in. He's also someone who did that in his own life. And that's what I think really reinforces that message for all of us. The other thing that you mentioned earlier, which is really powerful, is he and others like the Elons, the Mark Zuckerbergs, the Jeff Bezos, and et cetera, et cetera, they don't care what other people are think because their belief system is so strong, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. They are not concerned of how they are coming across, of how they're understood, if others believe in them. And that's just a whole nother fascinating element to this entire thing. You're so spot on what you said there. Because their belief system is so strong, it's so robust, it's so solid, that nothing's going to get in their way. And that's what, and honestly, that's the wish we have for all of you who are listening. Yeah. Can you develop a belief system so strong that you're able to pursue that? And that's really the only way to actually follow your dreams because it takes a lot of risk and it takes a lot of, well, resources. So it's not abstract. When we say belief system, maybe give an example. Elon believes in this or Jeff believes in this. Like, Belief system in what specifically? And let's make it as real as possible for anyone listening or watching right now so they could think, how can this be applied in my own life, my own belief system, so that I have this incredibly strong, centered belief system that I will have the ability to have the same kind of trajectory as these incredible, remarkable people? Right. So at the service level, it's around the idea of the business. So Elon believes that we can sell very high ticket premium electric cars and use those funds to create lower priced cars to make electric affordable for the entire human race. That's his thesis. And behind SpaceX's thesis at the surface level is reusable rockets can be created at tenth, a tenth the cost of actual rockets based on the physics around that. For Jeff Bezos, it was how do we create a store, an online store where they're the cheapest and with the best service on the planet, which is Amazon Prime, Amazon.com, what he's been able to achieve with that, et cetera, on and on. But that's the service level belief system. There's a bunch of other little things as well that's important to consider, which is what am I willing to fight for? What am I willing to stand for? What are some of the core values that I have as a human being that I will just not compromise on? So what is the tangible takeaway for everyone listening? The tangible takeaway, because some of you might not have that service level vision, that idea that you found yet. That's okay. 
But where you want to start and the, the thesis, it's and, and we've talked about this before. So I think to stay consistent, you've we've talked about this idea of having a thesis, a theory, a idea that this is a truth, a fundamental truth that we believe in. Those go hand in hand. Sorry, carry on. No, absolutely. I completely agree. But it really goes back to asking yourself the hard questions. I'll get you started with a few tough ones and we'll leave it at that because already that is really difficult. Is writing your own funeral speech. Like if you were gone, what would you want other people to say in that letter about who you are, how you lived? Most of us always live with the beginning in mind or the present in mind. None of us live with the end in mind. So I would encourage you to take those extra minutes, hour, two hours. I wrote my own funeral speech, really made things really clear for what I wanted in life. And I wrote it when I was 22. And it gave me a lot of clarity on where I wanted to go. That's the first thing I would encourage you to do. The second thing is from that speech, it really gives you ideas on who you were, on what you could be today in this life, right? And then writing that down. What are some of the things that I should be pursuing today if I was gone Mm. tomorrow? Focusing on that. And the other piece is what are the values? And let's, let me give, make it more specific. What are the three most important values to you personally? So for me, those values are generosity. Every single person that I interact with needs to come better off than me. Every single person. That's one that I embody. The second one is competition. Always compete. I'm a super competitive individual. I always want to get to the next level. Always. It's excellence all the way, right? And the other piece is impact. It's super important for me to impact other lives. That's how I measure my success on. And those are my three core values. I have a bunch of other core values. But just notice how I'm able to quickly jump all those values right now in a conversation. Have you thought about yours? Spend a couple of minutes reflecting on that. A couple of hours, a couple of days. Spend your whole life reflecting on it. (laughs) (laughs) Those are all amazing. And even doing just one of them could be life-changing. Michelle poses the question from our previous conversation, is it narcissism? And I think going back to this belief system, it's a fair question. Uh, And I, I don't know if we have an answer for that, but I think it's something that, you know, quite possibly is the reality. But do you have a thought on that? And then I do want to get into the third primary concept. Right. So, so let's get something clear that I think is fascinating to, to Michelle's question. What is narcissism? Narcissism, in my opinion, is the obsession of oneself in the benefit of oneself. Okay. So because I really want to make sure that distinction is good. So there's a great story in myth in Greek mythology about a guy, I forgot the whole name and story, but he looked at his face in the mirror in, in a lake and he was so obsessed with the reflection in the mirror, in the, in the lake, that he ended up drowning because mm. he fell into the water and died, right? I don't remember the exact name of the Greek. So that's what narcissism is. It's, it's having an, an insane focus in oneself where only that oneself benefits from that interaction. But what we're thinking about now is the borderline narcissism, which is, Be obsessed with yourself so much, but to the point where it serves other people. There's a big difference there. So the reason you want to know yourself at the the 10th level, even if you're gloating about yourself internally, is not just because of you, but also because of the other people that get to benefit from your uniqueness. But if you don't go on the journey to pursue your uniqueness, you actually won't serve anybody in a powerful way. What a beautiful answer, man. And I I love that. And I think that when you are obsessed with yourself for yourself and solely for yourself, it's a very different thing than being 
obsessed with yourself mainly to serve other people and with the the primary goal of, of how you can make an impact on other people. And it's having that knowledge. But I also think the other piece to this is understanding and being self-aware enough to know how you show up in the world and having the knowledge of this. Because I do think, if I'm being blunt about it, the people that we mentioned, whether that be Jeff or Mark or Elon, all of them do share in common the one could make the easily make the argument that they have narcissistic tendencies and they slant that direction. And then you got to say, is the greater good what they're doing for humanity or how they're impacting the world? And even though perception and we know perception is reality, if perception is that's it rubs some people the wrong way, but they're able to get to where they want to go then there needs to be some people like that. And so it's a very interesting thing to dissect because the reality is not everybody wants to be that. Not everybody will be that. And not everybody should be that. But there are some people who, because they're that, they're able to do the remarkable things they're able to do. So let's go into the final insight. I would say the last piece that we'd love to leave you all with is the following. There's way more ideas than people actualizing them. So what Vinod argues in this final insight is that we're not at a short supply of ideas. We're at a short supply of people who have the courage to pursue those ideas. Mm. There's a bunch of people who had the idea for Uber before Uber actually happened. But it took a Travis Callan, a person crazy enough to go against the mafia to make Uber work. And obviously, Travis has his own issues. But the point is, there's a big difference between having the idea and actually executing on the idea. So what he really encouraged, and it was a big encouragement for me, is don't just get lost in the idea. When you have it, actually execute it. Go full out. Take the risk. Have the guts to follow your own belief system. Because you might realize after your self-discovery, maybe, like, I never would have thought, Billy, my unique insight on the world, my unique perspective, my, you know, my point of view is public speaking communication tips. Like I never would have thought it was that. <laughs> but, you know, it's like, I thought it was going to be like technology or something. But when you really go to the core essence of who you are, if you're willing to go on that journey, like every, like I just said something earlier that a lot of people just took and like threw out, which is the funeral speech. Let's bring it back for a second. I guarantee you less than 1% of people I always have discussions with actually do this. I still haven't met one person who has written their own funeral speech and shown it to me. Be the person who does, right? Because the journey to self-discovery is the hardest one, but it is also the most rewarding one. So I encourage you to start walking that path. Right. And for the same reason that I don't have any fear of telling people what my ideas are, because it's really an implementation, an execution game, not an idea game. There are plenty of ideas, tons of ideas, but very few people who actually will be able to take those ideas, act upon them, and carry them through to land the plane and finish it. So there was one other concept that you mentioned earlier, something to do with time management and understanding time. What was that piece? Yeah, the, the time management piece for Vinod is he's very well known for only taking 50-minute meetings. And the reason he does that is to optimize his most precious resource, time. And the short analogy he gives on this, just as a bonus tip for people, is he says that 20 days out of the month, 
That's his challenge. I don't remember if the number is exactly 20. It was like 20 or 25. He has to have dinner with his family. That's a metric that he abides by. But since he's an extremely high performer and he has a lot of things going on, what he essentially does to make sure that happens every night, and sometimes he misses, but getting that number every month, he makes sure to optimize his time perfectly. That's why he runs 15-minute meetings. So that's the key. Oh, and one other thing, one other fun thing about brutal honesty. Vinod is so honest. He was saying in the episode that one time he was interviewing a candidate and he realized she wasn't a fit seven minutes in. So he literally stopped her, said, hey, you're not a fit, but let me give you feedback for the next 30 minutes because I think you're great and you're going to be great somewhere else. So she started giving her feedback on everything she did wrong. And she landed a job and sent him a letter (laughs) to thank him for it. So yeah, pretty crazy stuff. I love that. So many great insights, man. Thanks for sharing this. And thanks to everyone who's listening and watching live and to anyone that's watching the replay. Do subscribe to Inside Out and you could listen to all of these. I have my team cutting out the best parts and putting it into the podcast. And definitely, definitely go to YouTube and check out Brendan's YouTube channel, Master Talk. If you haven't already, subscribe Check out all the amazing work that he does to help people better communicate their ideas. Thanks to everyone who joined us today. Love being with you all and can't wait for the next one. Until then, make it a great one. We'll talk to you all soon. Thank you for listening to this episode of Inside Out. I hope you took away some valuable insights that will help you in business and in life. If you like this show, the best payment you can give is to rate, review, and subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast platform. You can also listen to past episodes and see a breakdown of all the best insights by going to insightoutshow.com. And for the record, there's no greater compliment than sharing this show with your friends on social media. So if there's an insight or a lesson that you liked, please share it and tag both me and today's guest. And until next time, remember, your next life-changing breakthrough moment may happen when you least expect it. Insight Out.